0: You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com.
1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Co-op Podcast, episode 210. I'm your host, Richard Bailey Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's
2: going good, man. It's good to be back. Um, Real quick, I wanted to do this at the very start of the show because, um, you know, I feel like if I leave it till the end, people might not hear it. But um, basically, there's been a few people asking me what happened to the iTunes podcast feed. Um, I wanted to let everyone know that, you know, as of episode 200, we moved to a new feed. So you have to search for us on, you know, the the app store, the podcast app, and look for the new logo. It's on a a black background, so you won't miss it. Um, And also the link to go directly to the feed is in, you know, it's it's on the YouTube page in the description box, and it will be on the website as well when we post up the show. So yeah you have to resubscribe to the new feed because we changed feeds because the old one was kind of broken so i just wanted to put that out there so that everybody knows uh but yeah good to be back let's do it
1: absolutely uh we're also joined by mr jake james lugo how's it going mr
0: lugo I'm doing good, Rich. I'm glad to be back with all of you guys. Again, it's surreal that we saw each other in person last week at uh, E3 2017, but now we're back to our digi forms, which is funny, but uh, it's great to be on here. We got a lot to discuss. We've all been busy bugs since we got back.
1: Absolutely. And we also have a special guest today. We're joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How's it going, Dana?
3: Hello, guys. Happy to be here, happy to be with everyone. Can't wait to talk about everything.
1: Absolutely, and glad to have you on today. Um, so for those that may be wondering, two very quick announcements. Mr. Max Muller is not with us today. He's actually spending the day with his family. So we hope that he has a good time, and he will be back next week. Um, secondly, I, for those that wonder why we didn't have a show last week, you know, we, most of us, well, Gary and I were traveling back that Sunday. So it was gonna be hard for us to have a show at that particular time, either because we got in too late or we were exhausted because we were traveling most of the day. So we do apologize, but we are back to our regular schedule now from here onward. So we look forward to talking about pretty much E3 and everything else. So thank you all for checking out the show and uh, definitely feel free to leave us comments in the comment section. So uh, before we get started with the news topics, We're obviously going to talk about what we have been playing. So, Dana, since you are new to the show, I'm going to ask you first what you've been playing.
3: Injustice 2, basically. Um, I just love everything about it. I just love the combat. So I've been playing around with that. I'm trying to wean myself off of it and get to other games that I have to play. But I always seem to keep coming back to it. And it's very fun. It's exciting. And I really like it. I like the story.
2: Who's your favorite character on
3: there? Well, the Joker is, is and Harley Quinn is just something that I, I love because I just always loved her. Nice, that's cool. Did
2: that's you think cool. that game's? Do you think that game's better than the first one?
3: Ooh, um, see, no, but I really appreciate for what it's trying to do, but I'm not going to say that it's completely better than the first one because the first one for me had more of that wow factor and this one here you kind of know what's going on and you know what to expect and it's like less of a wow factor but at the same time it's still very good something that i can't seem to stop playing and i keep coming back to it so yes and no but i think that in standalone it's perfectly fine
2: that's cool
1: yeah, uh, that that game is actually, uh, I believe that was the top game for NPDs in May. So we'll probably discuss that a little bit later. But it's a very good game. Um, definitely one of the better fighting games so far this year. But yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, so uh,
1: Mr. Lugo, what have you been
3: playing?
0: So I've been playing a couple of different things. But the biggest one I really want to get a spotlight on is uh, Next Machina from Housemark? Now, I've talked about this a couple times here and there, both on the, co- of the co-op podcast and in a few other areas. But Next Machina is a pretty fun game. It's a pure gameplay experience at its heart, its core. That's what Housemark really knows how to create, you know, for PlayStation 4 and other platforms. But uh, they, they're the guys that did Resogun. They're the guys who did Alienation. It's a twin-stick shooter that really gives you a, a, a lot of challenge there's not many levels in it it's kind of like built in the same vein of like those classic arcade style games that are just pure gameplay experiences that everything is running fast everything is a little bit twitchy but there's a heavy level of challenge or emphasis on challenge and getting high scores and stuff like that and i think this game is just pure fun it, it's just really i cannot recommend it enough especially if you're looking for something simple and easy to get into on your playstation 4 it's really uh cheap to buy on playstation I believe it's about like $10, 15 if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty cheap. Uh, but again, it offers a lot of fun. There's challenge modes, you know, as far as like an arena mode that just kind of mixes up a little bit of the levels. Again, there's about five to six levels in total, but there's different stipulations that get added onto it. You could get like different leaderboards uh, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So overall, next Machina, really, really fun. I ended up giving it, a, I think it's about an 85 out of 100. I said it's a really solid experience and it's one of House Mark's best that's out there. Uh, I'll leave it up to you guys to decide if it's better than some of their previous work, but so far, I'm enjoying it. I remember playing this back at a PlayStation Experience uh, last year, and I said back then, like, that's a really super addictive game, and it still holds true even now for its final release. So that's one of the games I've been playing. The other game I can't really talk a lot about, but I can't say that I am doing right now for review for us, is Valkyria Revolution. If you guys have never played the Valkyria Chronicles games that have been released by Sega, both on PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, and also PlayStation Vita. Uh, and PlayStation Portable. Uh, I definitely recommend that you guys uh, be excited for that one. Again, that review from us, you know, from me is going to be coming later this week, so I'll be able to say more about it on the next co-op podcast. But I have a bunch of other games I can't really talk about now, but there'll be some more stuff to talk about next week.
1: Sounds good. Uh, I've heard a lot of great things about Next Machina, so I definitely need to check that out. Uh, I believe Mark has another game coming out called Matterfall, and next, I believe that's in August uh, Maybe July or August I'm not sure of the date right now But uh, definitely we'll check out Next Machina But yeah, excellent job on the review And for those that are interested Definitely check out the review Leave your thoughts If you had a chance to play it Or you're interested in checking it out uh, So Gary, how about you let us know What you've been playing?
2: Yeah, so of course we was in LA for a whole week And that was a whole week that I spent without Overwatch. So as soon as I got back last week, you know, I had to play a lot of Overwatch just to make up for it. But um, this week I also started, um, finally started Life is Strange. Because uh, when we was at E3, I actually got a presentation of um, Before the Storm, which is like the, the little mini series that's coming up um and so you know because of that presentation it got me kind of interested in the life is strange story and everything and i decided that i was going to finally play this game because you know my friends have been telling me for a very long time to play the game but i just you know never got around to it because there's so many other games out there but um i i made the effort to actually play the game um you know this week and uh, i love that first episode like i love the characters um it's yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting to you get like the teenage sort of perspective on things and i understand what people are saying now about it makes you feel a little uncomfortable because you know the teenagers are doing um things that they perhaps shouldn't be doing at their age so it makes you kind of feel you know they're uncomfortable that you know because th- this is actually what goes on probably in high schools and stuff like that so um, I like that spin on it—the whole teenage spin—but it's still a pretty mature game at the same time, kind of thing. Um, I like that, and the fact that the character has the ability to, you know, rewind her decisions and stuff—that's a cool little twist on the whole decision-making thing. Because, you know, you can uh, you can make a decision, but if you feel like it was the wrong decision, you have the ability to change that. But you know, whatever you do, whenever you do move on. Um, That decision is set in stone So like you know um, You have to really think about Which decision you really want to make So I I like that spin on it as well Um, And yeah Oh and there was a uh, I noticed Square Enix did something slick There was a Final Fantasy reference in there as well Which is cool Um, But yeah loving that game so far I played the first episode Um, Looking forward to playing the next episode As well and that's pretty much all I've been playing this week.
1: Sounds good. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, as for what I have been playing, uh, two games. Uh, one is a bit, well, one is pretty old. The other one is still fairly new. I finally got a chance to play Telltale's Guardians of the Galaxy, Episode 1. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, at some point, I think we definitely need to do a discussion video on these episodes but uh based on what i played in the first episode um i think the game has a really good story i still don't really like some of the character designs it feels a little inconsistent mainly drax you know i had made the joke before that drax looks like a poor man's kratos with the way that they, they designed the character and when i saw it I, I just for some reason it's very annoying uh with that said though the storytelling is great um You know, I I need to play episode two. I believe that's out now. So I still need to give my thoughts on that. But I think they're dealing with some interesting stuff in the storyline. The soundtrack is fantastic. Obviously, you know, the soundtrack in the actual movies by Marvel are always good. So they have that element there 100%, which I think is great. But um, I would just say, yeah, to me, some of the characters are a little bit distracting because, you know, you see how they are, are portrayed in the Marvel films. Then when you see them in the game... Some stuff looks great. I mean, I believe Thanos looks fantastic. Um, Rocket, you know, Rocket looks good, too. And some of the other characters. But really, Drax, to me, is the one that looks a little looks a little off. But again, the storytelling is good. Um, if you are interested in trying it out, definitely do so. I should warn in advance, if you've ever played the Telltale game, you already know that some of the animations, it's a little, you know, the performance is not as good as it could be, you know, because I did see the game crashing a couple of times when I played on the PlayStation 4. So some of those issues are still apparent. I I don't really know if Telltale ever is going to change or update their engine uh, with future games. Hopefully they do. Um, But still a good game thus far and I'll have more thoughts on that game you know, as I get deeper into the episodes. But if you are a fan uh, definitely check it out. At the very least, to see whether or not you want to check out the other episodes when they actually come out. Uh, another game that I did play is I decided to go, play, to go back and start playing the Evil Within. Uh, I believe on the last show we did, which was our E3 recap, and I talked about the Bethesda conference, I talked about Evil Within 2 was something I thought was interesting, but I never played the first game. So now that I've started to play the first game, I believe right now I'm on chapter six. It's about 13 chapters, so I'm always almost at the halfway point right now. Um well, first and foremost, the game is not scary at all. I mean, I don't really think that should surprise anybody, in my personal opinion. Um, but I guess it's an okay game thus far. It's a lot of the stuff you get used to. Uh, but you at never point are at no point in the experience are you actually scared because you mean you do have access to weapons. So you can kill enemies, creatures, uh, whatever. You know, uh, a lot of things, a lot of instances where the ca- character is tripping in and out, going through different types of reactions to the stuff that's happening. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it, at the most, it's an interesting concept. I still do think it's good thus far for what it is. Uh, some of the boss battles are a little ridiculous. You know, you have to really, you know, if you get killed by the boss, that's it, you know. They do have some checkpoints in there that you can use, but uh, for the most part, you just should make a plan to save as much as possible, especially if you have it set to a higher difficulty setting like I have it at right now. But for what it's worth, it's, it's still a good game. It's just not scary. You know, I know a lot of times people will play a survival horror game and they'll be like, well, this is really, really scary. Uh, this game doesn't really feel that way uh, because, again, at no point do you ever feel fear for your life like you can't get out of the situation and you do have weapons, so kind of takes away a little bit of the scary, scaring element, but still a good game thus far. Um, I will have more thoughts on the game once I've actually completed it, because, you know, the story is okay so far, even though I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, the stuff I do understand is it's, it's alright, but I wanted to see how this is connected to the second game, so I'll definitely say more on that um, after I've had more time to play it. But, um, yeah, both Guardians and uh, Evil Within, pretty good games. They're not great games, I would say, but they're pretty good for what they are. So definitely, if you haven't checked out Evil Within, you may want to check it out and definitely should check out Guardians if you are a Telltale fan and you like Marvel games as well. It's it's pretty good. So uh, that concludes what we played for this week. Um, Can I also
3: just jump in real quick? Yes. Um also, would, I like to recommend if you're looking for something that's a slower pace and just easy to do, um, Lego Worlds is actually a very, it's growing on me. I didn't like it at first, but it's basically it's like Minecraft. You get to create a bunch of different things, but this time it's you're using, you're using the Lego bricks. And it also has little side quests and things for you to do. And anyone who is a fan of the actual Legos, like I was as a kid, and as I got older, I started collecting more. I can't do it now because I'm completely broke and no one should be able to pay $400 for one set. So what they did is they incorporated those expensive sets that were like $400, $600 into the game to change them up and build them and create your own different world and create your own stories as well. So everything is more like a free form, open, open sandbox, everything. So I really love that game it's easy to get yourself lost into because there's no, there's basically no no ending. You can do whatever you want. And the story is it's just endless. You end up meeting different characters and I love how they put down the process of making this game and how there's different aspects to it that you've never really thought of because it's not linear, it's not a storyline so so far from where I'm playing. Uh
1: that sounds interesting i gotta check that out did you say that this is the toys to life or is this just a straight up lego game
3: no 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 toys to life straight up lego like for people who really cannot afford those lego sets they you, basically the game has the sets in there
1: i got you i got you okay i need to check that out um I do regret not being able to check out the uh lego marvel avengers game at e3 but you know i'll get into that when we start the e3 discussion which is actually about to be right now but uh lego worlds gotta look into that um so once again you know we are finally back from e3 you know we we did survive it was a, a rather rough time this year because of the public uh among other things i mean um so I just wanted to get you guys initial thoughts on E3. I also want to get Dana's thoughts because I know she saw all of the conferences. So um, Dana, how about you start us off first and let us know what you thought of, what you saw of the conferences and what you thought of the actual show itself. If there were any things that stood out to you that was actually good or bad, it doesn't make a difference.
3: Well, I will say that they had a lot of interesting games. It wasn't anything that was one of those big mic drop situation. PC gaming show for me was a complete dud. And I'm going to be dead honest. I was half asleep during the time. Can't even lie. But of course, I was very interested in the um, Mario Odyssey. I'm just so happy that everything is like this open box and that you, it looks like New York City donkey. What is it, Dunk City? It looks like New York City and you're able to travel and go to all these different places and everything's interactive. So I can like, you know, jump on top of the lamppost or talk to somebody or hit someone randomly. And then Cappy, I'm not really sure whether or not, whether or not I like the concept of Cappy, but the, the fact that I can basically control any... I guess, any person or any inanimate object with the cap. That seems like a very cool aspect as well. And of course, I love anything that's colorful and vibrant, and they seem to bring a lot of that to the game. So that, for me, was one of the most standouts. Obviously, I was also, I was kind of also disappointed a little bit in the VR. I know there was Doom that they had there, and everything just looked really gimmicky. Which is not something that I I want from VR, because to me, VR has the potential of being very necessary and very good, if done right. But so far, I'm just seeing a lot of gimmicky VR games. Um, Those were the two main, those were like the, the main standouts for me. Also, I love the, the press conferences. I know it's different from, from my point of view as compared to you guys who was actually in the audience. You guys had, I was, as you was explaining, there was like interactive things and people falling out of the sky during the presentation. So during the gameplay, so a lot of the gameplay for, there was a game about the, the it looked like something with zombies and, and it was um, it just looked very boring. To me, and but the most standout of everything was the Way Out game, the the co-op, the couch game. Where you, basically it's the two guys are trying to break out of prison, and you have to work together with someone with one of the one of your friends, and you're basically you, nothing's online; it's right there, face to face, and you have to figure out how to break out. I think that that was the most genius game. Of um, anything
1: that I've seen, the true standout. Yeah, I uh, when I saw that game, I instantly thought of Prison Break, and and I thought that well, this will yes, Fox. It had a prison break. Well, yeah, well, I I instantly saw that, and I thought, yeah, Fox is going to come after these guys for that game because uh, you know I don't know if they like the fact that uh, they're trying to make a game about this stuff, but. Yeah, the game looks 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 like it's gonna be really good actually. Um but you know we'll we'll see. That 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 was the uh you said so that you said that, that was the game that you thought stood out the most, so there were no other games that you thought were were uh, interesting.
3: I thought that was the most original was the way out game. The game that stood out and and I like the, the Mario game as well, and um the most exciting thing for me, clearly, was I didn't expect to see um, good good versus bad.
2: (laughs) Beyond good and evil.
0: Beyond good and evil. That
3: that was the biggest shocker of everything. That 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 was a mic drop
0: to end all mic drops this year. Straight up. That was the the mic drop this year.
3: Absolutely. I saw that and I was like sitting at home saying this is not real. This is some type of they're, 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 they're joking but it was real and then they show the trailer to make sure that it was real and I was just in here losing my mind so that alone I would say that and of course Spider-Man but the biggest thing at the end was when you saw a Miles
2: oh yeah Miles Morales that yeah. just
3: made it even You that I, I know people who started screaming all at once when we saw him yeah that was crazy it was so was many nice different team. reasons as to why that was just amazing to see him in there. And I also, I am kind of was a little bit confused. I know maybe you guys got to play it, but I was really kind of confused about the Mario Rabbit's kingdom.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't I exactly
3: to, know. Uh, to... It looked fun, but then I was confused half the time. <laughs> I don't understand well, the concept. Like, I know it's like they, they, they're not invading, but they're stuck there because their planet's being invaded. Or some weirdness, and then it's just...
0: Have you ever played like, XCOM? XCOM? Have you ever played XCOM yeah. 2? Basically, yeah. that's exactly what Mario Mario and uh, Rabbids uh, Kingdom Battle is, basically.
3: I've, I've c- kind of figured, but I just wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, I know Rich got to
1: play that, I think. Yeah, uh, I didn't get a chance to play it. I actually still have a ton of content that I'm actually writing to, to post on the site. Uh it's been a little busy with my other job this past week but uh there's a lot of stuff coming this this week but yeah i did play that game just like uh mr lugo describes it is like XCOM. it's a little bit more comical um because um, uh, you know you shoot, you shoot a character and then there's some major effect where the character will go up in the air or fall back it's different like stuff to make it a little bit more funny and playful for kids But it was a great game, and and I was surprised because when, you know, obviously the game had leaked out, it was, you know, we saw the leaked screenshots and stuff about the game before uh, E3 when it was actually announced. But when you actually see it in in action, it's like, oh, you know, if you're an XCOM fan, oh, yeah, you'll definitely love that game. It's right up your alley. Um, I definitely want to play more of it, but I have to be able to find a Switch first. Uh, So we'll see about that. Good luck. Yeah, definitely good luck. Definitely good luck on that one. Um, So uh, were there any other things you wanted to talk about, E3, before uh, I bring in Mr. Lugo and Gary and myself to uh, talk about a few things from the inside perspective? Did you have any other things from the outsider's perspective that you wanted to share?
3: Well, from the outside, first off, I want to say that I'm surprised that everyone is still alive because they had cameras on the floor. And what I witnessed was just completely unbelievable with the crowd size and how the people just stormed the games all at once. So congratulations everyone for still breathing and not being injured. Um, From the outsider's perspective, um, I would say that for me, Ubisoft had the biggest one, in my opinion. They won, I was very, Very disappointed about the Xbox One X. Um, The whole big reveal, it would seem nice, a lot of technical jargon, and then you drop the price, the price that they had, and it was just like... And I think that if they would have lowered the price even by $100, I would have felt something more, and I've gotten really excited about it. But it just seemed like it was just... I love when they upgrade systems, and I love all of that, and I love the technology behind it, but for me, it just seemed like it just... I felt nothing. It wasn't really worth it. My Wait, opinion, Dana.
2: Um, didn't you say you wanted to buy an Xbox One X for Thieves?
3: I did want to, but you need to show me more games and more exclusive titles in order for me to... Because ju- it's not just the fact that I'm paying $500. I have to also buy the TV. And that's like thousands of dollars just to afford the TV as well. So I'm gonna hold back and wait more to see what else is is gonna come up. Because what they showed me, I love seeing Thieves, but what they showed me, it wasn't something that I have to like run out and get. Like I, for example, when I saw the Mario Odyssey, I wanted to run out and get the Switch. They didn't have, they needed more titles and something more to entice me to run out there and buy the the Xbox One X, and to buy the television. And for me right now, it's just not worth it. Uh, so, and I was also really happy to see Assassin's Creed, the new one when it's in, in, in Egypt. And I just want to say real quick, how wonderful it is to actually see black Egyptians. But mm-hmm. like there was a tear that actually ran down my eye. So they had a lot of diversity in the games that they did show. And I was very happy about that. And then I just, it felt so wonderful to at least see that. that they had these characters and they, 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 it looked real and they had, and how good their hair looked too. Everyone's hair was very good. And it's hard to get African-American texture, but they got it real good. So that was one of the things that really stood out. And I also liked, I kind of liked um, Middle Earth Shadow of War. I look forward to that. That seemed really exciting from my end. Um, I'm not a big FIFA fan, so I'm sorry. That really didn't impress me. I, I know they had like a big presentation that they usually do. I don't know if they had like, if you guys saw more of like they had different things that was going on on stage when they showed us the trailer. But that the, the what they did show and like, in regards to having all these different Players come out and speak was just more exciting than the actual game. Seventeen, but I'm just not a I'm not a fan of the of FIFA. It doesn't really do much for me. So yeah. Oh well.
1: Sounds good. Pretty much. You know, I I'm also not really a big FIFA fan. But for those that are fans, hey, maybe they uh, got something out of that presentation. Um, but it's all good. But yeah.
3: And also I, for- from the indie aspect i just want to mention the artful escape of francis um vendetti that seemed i love art i love anything that looks extremely creative and this had like a psychedelic toward like this look towards it like everything seemed like a dream and i think that that also was one of the most standouts especially for indie so i love that so i just want to throw that out there as well that one impressed me Very much so, and I know there was another one with a guy playing a a guitar. I have to maybe look that up later. That one was very, I like that one. And I also want to say that I was kind of disappointed that I didn't see any Red Dead 2 and Death Stranding. And I know um, Kojima was walking around the floor. So I wish he had like a presentation. That would have been nice. So I didn't get to see that. I know some of the guys, maybe you guys got to saw him walking around. But I didn't get to see that. So I was disappointed from that aspect. I was really looking forward to that. I stayed up late. Because for us, it, it, it aired late. So to not see that was a disappointment.
1: Well, uh, we, you know, we uh, we will see more of that game. Uh, my guess would be PSX. Uh, because I think the one thing that we didn't mention on the, the last show that we did, uh, felt, felt as though Sony... They're going to hold back a lot of the major stuff for PSX. You know, I I know they said this week that they may consider doing something at Gamescom, but I think PSX is a safer bet because that is a bigger show. You know, think about last year, they showed Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, and The Last of Us 2 at that event. Uh, So I think they purposely wanted to save that stuff for PSX. Uh, because that's more of a community event where they can have people there as well as watching at home. They don't really have to worry about E3. That is their little mini show right there for that, that whole weekend. So um, we will see more of that, obviously, because I, I did see a couple of tweets this week saying that, uh, you know, one of the people over at Sony has already seen some gameplay um, of, the, of it. And they said it's fantastic, groundbreaking. Obviously, we haven't seen that yet. Well, nobody else has, but we will see something I would expect by PSX because that's December. But um, just my thoughts on that. So now uh, we need to get into the nitty gritty of what really went down at E3 this year. I know Mr. Lugo has had a lot that he's been wanting to say. So I'm going to let you go first and then Gary and I can, can throw our own thoughts in.
0: Sure. There, there's a lot to unpack with this year's E3, some of which we talked about last uh, last podcast on the roundtable that we do, which I encourage everybody in the chat and everybody that listens to this afterwards, go check out our E3 final roundtable that we have now on the website for the coalition. Uh, we, we got into a lot of different stuff, a lot of games that we played, but there's a couple of stuff that we didn't get to talk about and stuff that we didn't get more in depth about that. I'm pretty sure we're all, all three of us and Dana included are going to discuss today. But before we get to like the really big stuff that I want to touch on, the really important stuff, there's a couple of games that I wanted to give some shine to because... The, with everything that's been happening and all the work and stuff that's been going on, both for us and on the website, we, we didn't really get to put up previews for them, but I still want to give them some shine because there's some great games. I want to talk about Phoenix Labs' uh, Dauntless, which, if you guys were excited about Monster Hunter, or if you guys have played Monster Hunter, or if you played, uh, was it uh, Tokiden, or any of the games that are very similar that kind of... that. It, it's funny because the archetype, it's called Monster Hunter like, but basically it's just a, either an act, a co-op action game that that has you like hunting or taking care of like bigger bo- characters, bigger bosses, bigger enemies and such. But this game Dauntless draws a lot of inspiration from those style of games and it tries to kind of implement different aspects from games like Destiny as well as other MMOs that, you know, that you probably have seen in the limelight. For a while, but I got a chance to check out the game with Phoenix Labs themselves. I got a chance to check out uh, Dauntless uh, together in a four-player co-op setting with some of the developers and the producer of the game, and we we had a lot of fun. Uh, It was just uh, one of the days that I went to E3. I took a, I want to say about maybe about an hour and a half or two hours where we got a chance to play the game, and they ran me through some of the was it uh, monsters that you could actually hunt. I'm gonna I'm gonna say hunt, but it's not really necessarily hunting. Uh, in the more traditional sense compared to like Monster Hunter. But the different types of quests and side quests you could go on and some of the different beasts and monsters you could battle. Uh, it's for PC. Uh, they're going to be going into beta very, very soon. I want to say within the next like month or so. I, I'm not exactly certain on the date. I know that they told me when I saw them out there. But from what I played right now, it's in alpha and it's going to go into beta very soon and then later on it's going to get its final release. From what I've seen thus far, it's pretty fun. It's pretty interesting, especially if you like that style of game. It seems like there's a lot of mmo influence into it as far as the amount of like loot and the types of gear you could get it's very it's heavily inspired by the way that monster hunter has their type of equipment and items and such but it's presented in an mmo type of fashion with a lot of stuff influenced from destiny so if you like getting loot if you like you know taking on quests that you get a lot of different materials and stuff that you can make even more stuff for yourself. This is going to be the type of game that you're really going to enjoy, especially if you play with friends. Uh, I didn't get a chance to play it solo because I feel like a, a game of this type of style is better played with friends, you know, at least two other people. I had the, uh, you know, the lucky chance to play with four people in total as far as a group, and it's very tough. Uh, there's a lot of big heavy influence, uh, was a heavy uh, emphasis on teamwork, which is how these style of games are. But with Dauntless, uh, you not only get like this large environment, which there's a couple different environments and they have this lore built around how, like, again, some stuff went down with the human race, you know, in the near future. And there's all these different types of creatures uh, running around that, you know, the uh, humans have to protect themselves against. Again, it gets very intricate. and I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot more details that get divulged as we get closer beyond the beta into the final release. But from what I saw, Um, you really have to work together to take down some of these beasts. They can get very, very challenging. I hunted two beasts in total, one of which was kind of like a snowy owl type of creature. It was like a, a cross between an owl and a bear. And I love the way that the creatures are designed and their type of attacks and stuff. There's still a lot of adjustments that need to be made, you know, as it moves from beta into the final release. But what they have here, the foundation that they got, I think is really interesting. I think it's very, very cool. And it was very fun. So I can't wait to see more of it. I know that uh, once the beta goes out, we'll probably have something on the website, you know, down the line. I know that some of the guys here, both on the panel and on the website, have PCs that could run a game like this. That they'll be able to kind of like, you know, check it out. And you'll get a fresh pair of eyes at one point besides what I saw. So it'll be interesting to compare notes when the game finally gets its final release. So definitely big shout out to Phoenix Labs for allowing me to check out the game there. And the other one I want to give a little bit of shine on before we move on is uh, MXM, which is Master Cross Master. Uh this is a PC game that that's been around for a while and I know that it went to its uh was it its main release I think recently or it's coming this week for it uh it's by NC Soft Uh, I got a chance to check out uh, the game over there with some of the guys on the PR uh, team over there. And it was pretty fun. It blends elements from Diablo as far as like the top-down perspective or the dungeon crawler perspective and the way that you actually get into combat and engage with enemies and your abilities. That's all pulled directly from like something like Diablo, but it has elements of like an arena shooter. Uh, thrown into the mix you know that pvp that competitive nature to it so not only does it have a pvp element which you could do stuff like team deathmatch and all these other team-based games and objective-based games which could get really crazy compared to like other games that are out there but it also has a cool pve element to it where you could team up with a couple different friends and choose one of like i think it's like 10 or 20 heroes that they have right now each with their own different types of abilities and play styles that are you know as unique as they could get between each other because I know there's only so many playstyles in like a PvP type of setting but you could choose one of your heroes and actually take on like waves and waves of enemies together and it's really really fun and again if you like games like Diablo, if you like competitive games on PC, this is going to be something for you. I really encourage you guys to look up more about it. There's trailers out there. Again, it's if it hasn't already at the time that we're recording this, very soon they're going to be having their big release. Uh, Was it on PC Online that you could be able to download for free? You should be able to play through the entire game and at least you know unlock and level up your different heroes without paying a dime. But they do have a pay. Uh, model that's available to you to, again, unlock a bunch of characters and do all these other cool, crazy stuff for those that decide to dive into it like that. So definitely interesting stuff to to check out when you have the time. I also had a chance at the same time while I was checking out MXM to check out Blade & Soul. Uh, Blade & Soul has some new content that's coming here to the United States that's it been out for some time, I want to say in Korea, you know, for a while. I think they have like a two or three year Uh, Head start on us from here in the United States, but we still got a ton of content new gameplay styles new disciplines new types of character customization options that are going to be making its way to the US. So that's going to be cool for you guys that are big PC gamers. So now that that's all out the way. Okay, now that we got all that other, you know, housekeeping out the way. Let's talk about what went down at E3 this year. Now, I want Gary and Rich to jump in on this, you know, as I talk about it. Because you guys were there. You guys saw what went down. You guys remember what went down and what happened to me when I was out there on that last day. But one of the big things that I think that we need to talk about is the way that the crowd was handled this year at E3. Uh, It's been said... In a bunch of different places, you know, various different podcasts, in a variety of different outlets, that the ESA was not prepared for the crowd that went that attended this year at E three. Obviously 15,000 plus extra people, extra bodies that were in the L.A. Convention Center. Uh, That's a big number. That's a lot of people. And it definitely showed right from the very first day, including even before when the actual uh, expo started. I know there was a bunch of people that were trying to get into some of the conferences. And like we said plenty of times here on this podcast, and like I've said plenty of times on a variety of different shows that we've had on The Coalition That that was not going to happen. A lot of people were going in with a little bit of unrealistic expectations. If you were one of those people that bought a ticket that just wanted to go to E3 for the first time, you're not part of the industry, you're not media, you're not any one of those individuals that has been attending the show all these other years. Uh, Again, it was going to be filled with a lot of lines and a lot of crowds and a lot of bodies in that building. And that's exactly what happened. But nobody was prepared for the sheer amount. Of people and the sheer amount of craziness and hecticness that was going on throughout the entirety of the show. But uh, before I get more into it, you know, Gary, Rich, give some thoughts on this because it was pretty hectic, especially those first two days at E3.
2: Yeah, man, like I remember um, because one of the first appointments I had um, on the Tuesday, you know, my first one was Turtle Beach. But then after that, I had to join JJ at the, the Bandai booth for our appointment and i just remember like trying to get to the bandai booth was insane like because just people were just everywhere and like there were people just not moving um there were people stopping to take selfies and stuff which it you know it's cool if you want to take a selfie i understand because at e3 on the floor there's a lot of cool stuff so you know you want to take your pictures for instagram and snapchat or whatever but people have to be considerate of the people who are walking behind them like, at least move to the side and clear a path so that, you know, people can still get by because there are people working at E3 also. Um, so, yeah, it, it was just total chaos. Like, I had to push through so many people. People were trying to push past me. You know, like, it was crazy. That that, that first day was, like, the worst. Um, it, was, it was bad all throughout, but that first day was the worst completely. Like, that was the worst experience I had with it that morning.
0: Definitely. Uh, I mean, uh, my first appointment was actually with you that we went to Bandai Namco and the floor was absolute pandemonium. What, what I think is really bad and what the ESA has to get a better handling on is allowing traffic within those aisles between both halls, the South and the West Hall, allowing people to maneuver around and get from place to place without feeling like the crowd is pushing them. Because one of the things that a lot of people and it's not everybody, I want to make that very clear. It's not everybody that attended as the public at this year's E3, but a good number of people that were out there, that were going from place to place, were very inconsiderate. Where they were pushing and shoving people all over the place, you know, without prejudice. Like they were just again because they wanted to get to some place or they wanted to reach some place uh, before anybody else to be that first in line, you know, and just sit there for like beyond an hour or two, or at least not have to sit there for like an hour or two. They were just being very rough with everybody else around them. Now, in the past, because obviously there isn't a lot of people or as many people that we got this year compared to previous years, it's not really like that. You could feel like you could breathe at E3, even though there's a lot of people attending that are part of the industry and stuff. But this year, it felt more like a San Diego Comic-Con. It felt as far as like the environment, because I've been to San Diego Comic-Con and that's exactly how it is. But the difference is the San Diego Comic-Con committee, committee and the group that runs that convention has a far better game plan with dealing with all those people. And it doesn't feel like you're getting forced ahead by the people behind you. Or at least, you know, there's a lot of people pushing you ahead. And that's exactly what happened at E3. I remember when we were walking, right, uh, there was a bunch of guys that were just pushing us ahead as we were trying to get to the Bandai Namco booth. And, like, everybody was just being a real jerk that was in that line because everybody was frustrated. Everybody was so claustrophobic and squished in together. By the time we got to the PR desk that was there, we could finally breathe. And even the PR was stressed out. Because they were dealing with everybody else there at the booth. Once we finally got into our appointment, it was all good. And obviously, you know, you can move around. and It was not that bad because of the obvious. But I feel like just they were just totally unprepared they were so unprepared guys and i know we talked about this on our round table that they opened up the convention 15 minutes early because the line was so big it stretched out into the street outside of the la convention center like that's how big it was like they didn't want people to go out into the street and also they didn't want so many people to crowd up and create a fire hazard in that building that was pretty insane but before i go on even further because there's some big stuff i want to touch on rich i mean give us some thoughts
1: So let me go ahead and say right now, I I will try not to be too controversial, but I have to keep it real with the fans. Uh, When E3 decided to open it up to the public, uh, I figured there was going to be some issues. uh, Pretty much what you guys said about the management uh, of trying to handle that many people, like they maybe thought just because they opened it up to the public, it wasn't going to be a a huge reaction to it. That was a huge oversight on their part because, uh, yeah, I did see the floor. A couple of times uh, both the first day and the second day and in, in the morning hours that's when it was very dangerous with the amount of people that were in there now one thing I will say and I want to make sure I'm, I'm very clear about this I'm glad that they invited the public to it and I'm also glad that they also invited the content creators youtubers as well because you know it's, it's good to have all these people in there from a business standpoint but I will say this. Um you can very much tell who was who there at that event. Uh, of course, they, they had yellow badges, different badges, well, the neon badges, I guess you could say, for the public. But you can tell the difference if you walked onto that floor between somebody who was a media person, somebody who was a YouTuber, and somebody who was a fan. Just based on the reaction. As Gary mentioned earlier, you'd be trying to walk in certain areas. There'll be people just standing around looking at looking at everything. Nine times out of 10, that was a public person. The YouTube creators, they had their cameras out at pretty much every event, not just at the E3 Expo, at the press conferences as well. And again, nothing wrong with that, but uh, it's like you could tell right away. And then, of course, the people like us who are trying to get to appointments, we're trying to make it a point to get to an appointment as quick as possible but yet we have a lot of traffic we got to deal with in that scenario and nine times out of ten even if you have an appointment that starts on time you may not get there on time because you have to navigate your way to different locations so i think the esa definitely needs to improve next year is no doubt about that if they decide to open it up to the public um i know there were sometimes we took shortcuts In terms of using the upstairs uh, uh, entryway, because upstairs there were also meeting rooms up there as well for other appointments, which some of us did have, which was good. But uh, yeah, they definitely have to control this stuff better. Uh, And one thing that I did want to point out, because I've heard this also mentioned on a lot of other podcasts, um, the security issue as well, I I think is, is something to really consider because... Every conference we went to, we had to go through a metal detector. You know, they check your bags, make sure you didn't have anything. When you go to the E3 show, there is none of that. So
0: if somebody... Well, oh, I got some for that later. <laughs> oh, got I got some for that
1: later. Okay, so see, this is an instance where if somebody wanted to cause harm at this event and they had something in their bag, they would get away with that because they're not looking at stuff like that. Now, I understand that for them to try and fix that issue, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require more because you already have people waiting to get in, they have to start that whole process earlier in the day if they're gonna do that. But that's something that they may want to consider in the future uh, because when you have public in some of these things, I'm not saying that every public person is a saint, but it's more likely that something could happen. And there is some stuff that did happen, which we are gonna get into because I've heard about a couple of instances of some things that have happened. But uh, Mr. Lugo, the floor is now yours to continue what you was
0: going to say so so yeah a couple things i want to touch on before we continue like the the youtubers and the content creators and the twitch streamers that were there doing their thing that didn't bother me at all like whatsoever And, and i don't think it really bothered anybody because the one thing that i think we all need to make very very clear and everybody's been saying it over and over again but i feel like it's not really registering a lot of people is that the public there is not a big deal or it's not a bad idea as long as it doesn't compromise everybody else's time over there and everybody else's jobs and everybody else's agenda, throughout the entirety of the show that includes not only just us in the media and the press, but also the industry folk and the business people that are there going to meetings and stuff, because let's be real. You know, E3 is a trade show. Everybody keeps saying that, but I feel like, you know, we're kind of glancing over the fact that it really is a trade show. In essence, they're trying to open up the public now because it, it's going to attract more attention. It's going to bring in an influx of income of profit, you know, to keep the show alive. And that's, that's just the business aspect of stuff. We've said that plenty of times before we went to E3 on this very show and i think that even while we were out there and and afterwards you know the general public and just the general internet as a whole don't seem to really still understand that there is again a lot of unrealistic expectations that i saw all over the place and such but overall it, it as long as it doesn't you know affect everybody else that is there with a purpose other than just trying to just be there for the sake of being there i think it's fine like that however What I did see, okay, and and this is perspective from me, having been there in the trenches with everybody else, and and if you guys didn't hear this during our E3 roundtable last week when we were actually there still in L.A., you're going to hear it now. But this is what happened to me, and this is why I have such a condescending view about the E3 uh, opening up to the public, or at least, you know, in the way that they handled it this year. I almost got trampled on that last day going to E3 at the very start of the show. The reason being is because at the very beginning okay much like they did in the previous two days but this this day was a little bit different all of the press and the media were lining up on the side i believe it was the south uh, i want to say the south of the west the wet the hall where nintendo playstation IGN, Atlas, and all those different places were at this year. Microsoft, the Xbox brand, their booth was actually in the opposite hall with all the other third parties and stuff. They decided to open it up and spread them out because they had all that extra space. So they moved Microsoft over there. That way it gives everybody a reason to go between both halls. If you're just, if you're looking for the first parties, you have a first party developer, a first party publisher in both halls. But I was in the one where Nintendo was at, or at least outside of it. And Uh, all the press and the media were uh, lining up on the side because I guess that on that third day they had a different approach to stuff because of what happened in the previous two days and all of the regular attendees that horde of people that, that days gone horde of rabid fans that wanted to get inside and such they were lining up right in the front of the actual doors so seeing that all the press was lining up there for whatever reason and the the security guards are telling all of us to go there on the side i'm thinking okay they're probably gonna let the media people in first because there's not many of us here compared to that giant horde that's over there maybe they'll let us go in first and then let the hordes go afterwards what they decided to do instead was no reason for having the two lines they might as well have just put us all in the same line they let everybody go in at the exact same time and here's where the problem lies, and here's where the ESA failed to really be prepared for this, is that in the past, in other previous E3s, there have been people that do run across you know, the entire convention to get to like the Nintendo booth, to get to the PlayStation booth, or wherever else that they're going to go. That's not new, but the difference is, is that it wasn't 15,000-plus people extra this time around. What happened this time and what happened to me was is that as soon as everybody went inside and such, everybody's pushing everybody to go forward. Okay, not just the media, but you know, really that horde of people that attendees, which is really what I blame it on because they're just rabid at the moment and they don't know how to act sometimes, or at least some of them don't know how to act. They're pushing everybody inside. So once I went through the doors and once all of us got in through the doors, everybody's being pushed aside. And I got pushed so much from the people that were behind me there, I almost tripped and fell over on the side where the doors were at. And while I'm tripping over, I kind of grab my footing so I don't necessarily hit the ground per se. I'm kind of, you know, stumbling along and such and trying to regain my ground. There's a fire department guy that's there that's working with the building, working with the extra people that are there, the security guards and stuff. Rather than help me out and make sure that I'm all good after he sees me falling over, he actually starts screaming at me and the people that are behind me to get away from the doors. So here's where I have the problem, Again, okay? that's just one part of it, okay? Let alone, I get it, everybody's stressed out. And I get it that everybody is on high emotion right now because there's so many people and the ESA is trying to figure out what's going on and such. And everybody there, the security is trying to, you know, maintain control of the crowd without things getting too crazy. What I don't appreciate as someone that's attended the show multiple times or e- even just as someone that's attending the show right now, or at least at that moment, is that I'm being screamed at like I did something wrong. And yet I'm the one that's like in distress there, almost falling over and could have been trampled by a bunch of the people that just wanted to get to their booths. I think that's a big problem. That's something that not a lot of people are talking about in a variety of different places. And I think that's a very big issue that could become a problem if something was to happen. Only then is when I feel like uh, when a lot more people would be talking about it, if something actually terrible did happen and it shouldn't be like that at all. It should be to the point where stuff like that shouldn't even get to that point. And not only was I pissed off, at the guy that was screaming at me. I even got to the point, once I regained my footing, I was like, dude, I hear you. Like, I get it. Like, you don't need to scream at me like that. And I just ran off, walked off all pissed off and such. But I kept thinking about myself as well as also the other people that were all, again, tripping over themselves and all going crazy and such. Why wasn't the guy at least, you know, didn't have the decency enough, not only to make sure that I was all good and the other people were all good, and then divulge the information and then make sure that the control of the crowd was all good at that point. I think that's a bad sign. And that shows, at least showed me, that the ESA really didn't have a good handling on what was going on that weekend. Now, here's what I do open, and I want to get thoughts from both Gary and Rich. I do hope that next year they have a better blueprint in place because clearly they didn't this year uh, in order to handle the crowd and, and as far as like letting people in and such, as well as also making sure that the traffic. Throughout all the alleyways, you know, as you're going through the the showroom floor, that it's to a point where people don't feel so uncomfortable in the fashion that they did, not just us in the media, but even the public attendees, because I don't think it's good where so many people in the crowd are pushing everybody forward. You know, again, the public attendees or whoever else is doing that in that mass amount of people where that's acceptable. I don't, I, I don't believe it's acceptable because that's not exactly what happens at San Diego Comic-Con. There's as many people, if not more, that attend a convention or an event like San Diego Comic-Con, like a CES, like a PAX Expo that have that same uh, amount of mass of people, if not more. But it does not feel like that whatsoever. We've gone to a bunch of PAXs at this point. Uh, for PAX East and we know how big those crowds get especially when the public gets in there but they have so much of a better handling and a better uh plan of attack when when all those groups of people go into their show that they they know exactly what to do with the PAX enforcers in order to make sure that that doesn't happen so before I continue Gary Rich give me some thoughts you know again because I was pretty pissed off when you guys saw me afterwards because I was really upset because that I was you know I was livid
2: Yeah man that was definitely messed up that you had to experience that and it feels like this year was kind of like a beta test for them like to see how many people they could get in and like how like you know basically figure out what the feedback is from that so um, I'm hoping that next year they actually try to improve it and I think the best idea would just be to let the media have you know a day to themselves you know a day or two just to get all their appointments and you know get all everything they need from e3 without the obstruction from you know the, the public and everything and then you can let the public in for you know the rest of the duration of e3 at that point and you know um the press would have gotten every like all the content they need at that point so you know um i think that's the best approach to take but even if they don't do that they definitely need to let the press in earlier I think so they can get their appointments because uh, there was a few appointments that I was you know almost late to and um, I just got lucky because a lot of the times um, either you know they were running late as well or you know somebody else was late or something or there was a technical issue or something like that so it never um, caused a huge problem when I was late but Um, yeah like it that's that stuff can happen and it can throw you off completely if you're late to one appointment because then that kind of um, you know it has an effect on the level of coverage that you get for that particular game or whatever it is that you're seeing so yeah I hope they do figure out you know um, a better format because you know my argument is like you know like JJ I'm not saying you shouldn't have public at all like I, that opens up more revenue for the ESA So, you know, I'm all for it If you guys need, you know, you guys need extra revenue and stuff But, you know, they just need to manage it better um, Especially when you're letting in that capacity Of, you know, people into the, the, um, the, the venue So I hope next year they have, you know Definitely a better blueprint, a better plan of action And um, I hope that there's either press only days Or they let the press in, you know, first at least
0: Here, here's a funny thing i want to mention that and i think that you know because we because we all keep saying press because we are press we are media and such but it's really industry folk it's just that uh it's not just us in the media that were complaining about stuff like this i have friends that while i was roaming the e3 floor and when, when i went to the media room and the lounge and such uh there was a bunch of people that i know personally that kept saying that if it was built made like this again next year that they weren't going to come because it was so inconvenient for a lot of people in their work. There was individuals that I know that had appointments for, with different publishers uh, or at least interviews that they had to do and other type of content they needed to get done. They were over an hour and a half to two hours late. And that was just solely because of the crowd uh, as it was, you know, traveling from place to place, but also in some areas that were, that, that were closed off. Because you couldn't walk through them, even though there was doors in order to kind of like limit the amount of crowds that were going through one entryway. I remember at one point going through the side entrance of, I believe it was the West Hall uh, that I saw there that was finally open. There wasn't a lot of people going through there because they had only opened that like later on the day, not earlier on throughout the was it when they first opened the doors. And I was like, okay, well. They only have like one security guard over here. Why not just open up all those doors, have a bunch of guards in all those places. That way there's not such a mass of people going through that side and people could choose where they could go through in order to be closer to the places that they need to actually get to like that. Uh, But also on top of that, again so to reinforce like what gary said it, the the problem is is not the, the public attending it's the public attending and the way that they're kind of like you know handled there throughout the show that that solely falls on the esa to figure that out to figure that out as far as security to figure that out as far as the layout of the convention but also I, a lot of people besides gary myself and even rich at one point you know when it comes to having days for the public and days for the press or the industry folk only I mean, I'm all for that. I think that there's a better way to compromise. And that's the key word I want to put out here. I want to put in the forefront of all this. And I've said it in a bunch of different places. Compromise. There has to be both give and take on both sides of this argument. Where you have to allow the people that have gone to this show for all these years that do work here. You have to be able to allow them to do their work. And then still also give something to the public that are there. That are paying good money to be there. Because $250 per ticket is not cheap. It's not... It's not a cheap ticket to attend the show. And understandably, uh, it's understandable where people could be a little pissed off where you only wait on lines to play maybe like one or two games and stuff. And you feel like, you know, certain people are getting privileged and stuff, but it's a lot more complicated than it is black and white like that. It's not so simple. But there needs to be compromise that the ESA has to come up with in order to allow people to conveniently go and cover their show and be at their show and do their business as usual while still letting all this influx of people so they could help the show grow and help the excitement and the relevance of the show become something still special moving forward. But Rich, I mean, give me give me some thoughts.
1: Well, I agree with a lot of what, what has been said between uh, you and Gary. Uh, I will say, though, that... Um, There really is, I mean, I personally think, I mean, I'm going to go back to what was said already. There needs to be separate days for media and public. And I actually spoke to a couple of devs while I was at E3, uh, the, the guys over at Techland Publishing. They told me they go to Gamescom every year and they have days for media and days for public. So I know that this is something that the ESA could do with E3. It's whether or not they want to do that. And my other thing is that if they are going to open it up to the public, similar to how PAX is open to everybody, they can learn a thing or two from PAX even because they have media come in there at least an hour early uh, when the show starts to, you know, set up if they had an appointment at then or just to get, get on the floor before everyone rushes in to go to different booths. So I think the ESA should consider this. Um, if it's a whole thing about, well, we need to now have an extra day of E3, where we have two for the media and two for the public? They can afford that because of the money that they're getting from everyone that pays. And it's also good because, as you already alluded to, a lot of people that pay 254 a ticket, most of the time they're waiting hours at a time just to play one or two games. If they split this up and they have the press come on one day and the public come on another day, It's more likely that they'll play a hell of a lot more games because they don't have to worry about press getting ahead of them to play stuff, so on and so forth. So I think if the ESA really wants to make these changes, they can. It's a matter of them doing the research. Don't just say when the year starts, we're going to open it up to the public. And then don't think about, well, how are we going to handle the situation if it gets to this level or that level? They just need to think about this stuff a little bit more and definitely listen to not only the advice of those such as ourselves and everyone else that actually went to the event, but they need to also see what all the other shows be, how all the other shows are being handled, whether it be games, combo, or packs. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would say to that whole situation.
2: And another thing as well, because like I know. Um... Wait. Oh, sorry. Was you saying something?
1: Yeah, Dana was saying something. Dana, was that
0: you? Yeah, I Dana say something.
1: Oh, well, you come back to her. Go ahead, Gary. Yeah,
2: yeah well, I, well, I was going to say um, another thing is because um, we had, you know, uh, shouts to Tatiana. She joined us at E3 this year. And I know she was like um, over an hour late, I believe, to an appointment because of parking spaces. Like there were no parking spaces in the car park, you know, for the convention center. So, you know, that's like another issue because, of course, you're going to have a lot of people driving into the show and everything. So, like, they're going to need to either, you know, buy uh, another parking space or something or, you know, buy out another parking lot because I know there's I think there's a parking lot um, like a, a couple blocks up or so from E3. So maybe they can it's borrow a that. Walk.
0: It's a far walk i know that there's there's like two parking spots or places that you could park a car that's why a lot of people when they go to e3 they don't bring a car they just take ubers
2: yeah i mean that's the ideal thing to do just take an uber you know but um but yeah there are people who want to drive though and people who rent cars and and i guess you know if they've if they've already got a car full of gas they don't want to take an uber because that's an extra expense at that point so Yeah, um, that's something else they need to think about, I think, because I know Tatiana, she had a horrible experience because of that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, So uh, was there any other point you wanted to make, Mr. Lugo, about the uh, show itself? Because there's a couple of things I did want to say, but I want to make sure.
0: No, no, I think most of what was concerning to me again we touched upon not only on this podcast but we touched upon it also on our round table we talked a little bit more about games that we saw in our impressions of the conferences and stuff on our round table so definitely again guys if you're in the chat I encourage you to check that out after this show or whenever you have time because we did we did talk about a lot but Rich go ahead to touch upon whatever else you want to talk about
1: uh, so one misconception that I w- definitely wanted to clarify about the show is that you have to understand everything that you see, whether it be the conferences, so on and so forth, does not mean that the game is playable at the actual show. Uh, Case in point, a lot of people have been asking me, how was Anthem? Did you get a chance to play it? They've been asking me this all week, and I told them, well, Anthem wasn't there. You know, it wasn't at the EA Play Conference. I mean, you saw the video and the gameplay from the Xbox conference, but it wasn't there. You know, and as I look deeper into that, to see if they had also had behind-closed-doors opportunity. They did not have any of that for Anthem. So I did want to clarify that. You know, if you see certain stuff, you may think it's playable. Uh, there were a couple of games from Sony that we saw at their conference that um, I know, I, I believe they also had behind-closed-doors uh, presentations where the actual devs will play the game. You didn't actually get hands-on. Like, I believe they had that for Spider-Man, because I know a couple, people, a couple people that did get appointment to actually see the game. And they initially saw the same demo that we saw at the actual E3 show, but there was a couple of things that were different about it. You know, there's a couple of different things you can do in the actual game. But um, I did want to clarify because we do have quite a bit of previews coming. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we have been writing that is going to be on the site soon from E3. But I just wanted to make sure that I did clarify there's some things that you may not see because some stuff we just didn't get a chance to see. Uh, And this is all because of, you know, the way things were handled as far as the organization um, of the actual show. You know, the the Wolfenstein 2, this is an example. That was there playable. Um, I was unable to get a chance to play it because of the amount of people that was on that floor in that area. So I would hope to play that in the future before it comes out so I can actually give you guys further impressions. But um, just to say that there were a lot of games we did play, that were great uh initially i'm not trying to say e3 was bad i think e3 was still good it's again you know some stuff has to be fixed in terms of the esa when they decide to bring more people into the show they have to be better organized for that so that it's uh you know safe and fun for everybody but the general consensus is that you know some people had mixed reactions to it others thought it was great others thought it was bad but overall, I would just say better organization moving forward, and the show will will definitely be better for, for the future. But um, I am glad that we didn't get a chance to go. I mean, as I've said before on this show, you know, most of us, when we record the show, you know, that that is a time where we actually get to talk. I mean, we talk, uh, you know, outside the show always also, but to actually chill and hang out in person, That's why we go to these events, because, you know, that is our time to hang out as a team. You know, of course, we'll cover the show, but then we also get to hang out, chill and just relax. So that's always a good thing. You know, E3, the whole experience, just going, seeing people that are in the same industry that you have respect for or you know, and being able to spend time with them and hang out and talk about video games. is awesome. That's what makes the experience fantastic. All I'm saying is that, that will continue to be great from years moving onward, but they have to be better about how they, you know, decide to organize this stuff. If they're going to bring more people in there, you got to have a way to really have this thing organized so that it's great for everybody. But that's all I was going to add on. Uh, so if you guys had anything else you want to say about E3 before we move on, feel free to do so now.
0: No, I'm good with E3. Dana, you got anything? guess not that's <laughs> no, not she's she, 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 she just glad that we
1: all survived oh well, well, go ahead dana what'd you say
0: she muted again <laughs> yeah she muted again and now rich is muted too oh, yeah. rich is muted too that's like so she's just
1: glad that we survived we appreciate that, you know that you're glad that we survived you know and max did survive i know some people may be looking at the stream where's max at uh yeah he survived um you just were family today but um
3: yeah, yeah and i just wanted to
1: go ahead i
3: just wanted to say real quick from everything from what i've seen from my perspective i think any people in at once
0: you're breaking up dana
3: exactly.
0: you're breaking up a little bit we lost you for a second
3: Can you hear me better now
0: a little bit better. It just got broken up for a second there. You might want to You might want to restate that okay. thing again, what you said. Yeah.
3: The thing is, if you want to invite the public in, that's fine. There's no problem with that. The thing is that maybe don't jump up and invite, what was it, 15,000 people at first? So, clearly, yep. maybe start off with the first year. Start off with 1,500. See how you can handle the crowd with that. Actually increase... In the coming years, don't just jump up fifteen thousand people. Plus, you have the YouTubers running around, and you have the people who are actually in the industry. Is everything just seems to be a complete mess? The planning just seems to be um, like the, it seemed like there was no thought into planning. Just not yay public, but decrease the public. That's all. It's really for the industry. This is a media show. It's lovely that they wanted to support the public, but what I also didn't like, you can go to Best Buy or Nintendo, and you can play the games that's on the show floor. So, why not have that? People who are happy, they have the experience of playing the games, and people are not being trampled to death. Because after a while, you're going to end up with a lawsuit. Is a lawsuit really worth it? Not really. So, just simply... Go back to what you had, thousand people, 1,500 at most, and go back to the Best Buy or Nintendo or there's a Sony store that's in, in, in some states, in New York City. I know we have one. Play the games there.
2: Yeah, you, you make a good point. You make a good point, like, with the gradual thing. Like, that's a good idea. Like, just gradually increase the number when you know you can manage it. It's a good point.
1: Yeah, a very good point. You know, we'll see what, what what ESA does. I believe that they definitely heard all the feedback. So we'll see how they decide to plan this for next year. But um, yeah, with all that said, it still was a good show. Uh, there are a lot of great games coming out this year, later this year. Um, and like I said, stay tuned for all of our coverage on every game. Uh, starting, well, we already have some stuff up, but there'll be more stuff up starting tomorrow. So Look, 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 just look forward to that. So uh let's move on to our next topic. Um, this is a topic that uh a game that we did not see at E3, and I think a lot of people was thinking that they was going to see it at the EA press conference, uh, Amy Henning's new Star Wars game. Apparently there is a little bit of a I don't know if this is a confirmed news or not, a little bit of information going around that Amy Henning's game, the Star Wars game is set between the New Hope and Empire Strikes Back so um, Gary I know you wanted to bring up this topic so what do you guys think about this particular news, are you looking forward to this game or just um, what, what are your initial thoughts on hearing about this
2: yeah um, like um, because I've, I've been really excited for this game like this is the Star Wars game I'm kind of waiting for because i like you know i like star wars games to be heavily story focused and everything and it seems like we're gonna get that with amy hennings game especially with you know everything she did for the uncharted games like we know that we're we're in for something special um so as for it possibly being set you know between um a new hope and empire strikes back um to be honest like i i'm kind of happy with that if that is the case because like you know i prefer that older timeline to you know the one we have now currently but i know we're only like one movie into the new you know the new timeline kind of thing but um you know the i prefer that that seems like a great setting because there's a lot of stories you could tell at that point in time i think with the characters that are around at that present time so yeah I'm, i'm uh i'm quite happy if that's where it's going to be set but I wanted to get some opinions from that from you know JJ and everyone else because I know you guys are big Star Wars fans
0: yeah uh, I think it's cool Uh, it seems a little consistent with some of the stuff we've heard in the past about this game we really only heard uh, small details about how it's going to be taking place it's going to be focusing on bounty hunters or scoundrels quote unquote and this seems to be almost ideal for that Uh, according to stuff that's printed in the story that we were looking at it's the main character is gonna be working for Jabba the Hutt. So that's like almost a perfect setup for someone like this, especially within that time frame between New Hope and Empire. Um, I'm curious to see where they go with it in the story. Uh, obviously it's gonna be heavily focused on uh was it the bounty hunters, and I'm guessing under the rule of the Galactic Empire. I wanna I'm really curious to see how much that comes into play or how much you have an influence on some events, you know, surrounding the main events that happen in the Star Wars story and the saga. But um, there's really not much really to go on here. Not until at least we see it. I was curious why we didn't see this at E3. Could be because it's just not ready yet. There's still a lot more work to do. This has been gestating for quite some time. I'd be very curious to see if we get something about this at PlayStation Experience this year. You know, with uh, obviously Star Wars Battlefront being a big deal on PlayStation 4. If also another Star Wars game gets you know put to the forefront at e3 that not e3 at a playstation experience this year or uh, if obviously next year we see it at e3 i think we're gonna see it at some point but i think at you know at this point in time it's good for us not to know much about it because at least we know that they're working on it uh another thing that a lot some people have brought up probably the reason why we didn't see this at e3 is because star wars battlefront is being pushed so hard right now and you don't want to have like two conflicting things happening and keep in mind next year the Han Solo spinoff movie is coming out. I know that we talked a little bit about this while we were at E3, when we when this same exact game came up in discussion. Uh, the Han Solo movie uh, is coming out next year, so it makes sense to promote more Star Wars material next year, especially with Battlefront being like at the forefront this year here. But next year, when you have a movie that's going to be focusing on bounty hunters or scoundrels, quote-unquote, And this game feeling somewhat similar to something like that, or at least within the same vein as far as focused, as far as subject matter, that seems like an ideal way to cross promote the Star Wars brand across different mediums, uh, especially with a brand new movie that's coming out at that point. Uh, I think it's cool that at least we got some details. I'm hoping for a teaser at PlayStation Experience, if not next year at E3.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. It, it definitely would make a lot of sense to um to promote it alongside the Han Solo movie. And um EA did also make it very clear that the reason you didn't see the game at E three was because yeah, they are pushing um Battlefront very hard. So I don't expect to see anything about this game officially until after Battlefield has released, and we know that it is going to release before the PSX, so or, and the, the the video game awards. So you know, we could possibly see something at those two shows.
3: Can I just say something about the the game with the Han Solo part? Just. Don't exactly give your don't give your hopes up in the fact that it'll release alongside the movie because the movie's having problems on its own. So No No, like- not necessarily.
0: Yeah. That's not that's not what I mean though. I, what I mean is is that because the movie's coming out and obviously Star Wars is gonna be such a big deal every single year like that, they promote the brand across all different meetings. I don't think it really has anything really to do with the movie per okay. se. Like, because like of the time frame. Movie. Okay. Exactly. You know, just, just to have, like, different Star Wars things going on at the same time. So right now you got The Last Jedi and you got Star Wars Battlefront Two, And obviously Star Wars Battlefront Two is going to have content from The Last Jedi. Uh, I'm pretty sure right. that something similar of the way that it's handled will be for whatever this game is called and whatever the Han Solo movie ends up becoming.
3: Right. And, and to a lesser point, the same thing can kind of be said about the PS4 Spider-Man game.
0: Not really, no. They, they With that, in that case, they made it clear that that has nothing to do with the marvel cinematic universe and obviously the fans and and the people that consume this stuff is going to associate it with it being in different avenues and stuff but like obviously you know with the movie coming out
3: both of them even though they made they're not in the same thing exactly yeah so it gets me excited for that because you have the book and then you have the video game and you have the movie and even though they're not connected at all it just gets me excited for the franchise
2: yeah it's just too bad that because i mean the movie the spider-man movie is coming out like within a few weeks i think um so it's a shame that they didn't they kind of you know missed that mark but as long as we get a great game when it does come out next year then you know can't complain and you know because the movie is coming out and spider-man will also be in in, infinity war the the level of interest will be there for spider-man so they can still you know find creative ways to to tie in the marketing a little bit but yeah they're you know For the most
1: part they're separate yeah absolutely uh well only point that i was going to add is that um yeah i mean i think it's smart for ea to focus all of their attention on battlefront 2 right now i mean that is a major major game coming out for them in november so uh they have plenty of time to talk about uh the amy henning game I, you know, PSX is a good guess, but I, you know, I think they may actually wait until Star Wars Celebration next year because that was when they first shown the footage of Battlefront. Um, so I, I think they may wait until that period. And then, of course, next E3, then you'll get the blowout information on the game, uh, more details. But, you know, it's they, they have time to work with. And again, they, they definitely want all the attention to be on Battlefront 2. So uh, I think it was smart for them to just focus on that for now, and we'll we'll get that other game later on. It's no no, no rush at all. So, any other final thoughts uh, before we move on to the next topic? No, I'm good. Okay, we're good. Okay, so wanted to see if you guys had any quick thoughts on the May MPDs. Um. And I'm just going to talk about the quick games real quick. Obviously, PlayStation 4 won, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, again, you know, uh, that can't really be a surprise. I know that the Switch had a, a chance to to win, but the Switch shortages is very serious, you know. So because of that, you know, it's just not, it's just not, it's not, it didn't really sell that well, well, enough to be charted. But I'm pretty sure that's going to change. You know, they have a lot of great games coming out. I'm not worried about that. So I want to go through the list real quick of the uh, all the games that did appear on NPD. We had Overwatch. We had Mob 17, the show. We had the NBA 2K17. Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadow of Valenta. Uh, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. Uh, Prey. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And now the top three games. Number three was Grand Theft Auto 5, number two, Mario Kart 8, and number one, Injustice 2. So I um, was curious if you guys had any thoughts on the games that didn't make the list, but uh, I think uh, I don't really think you know, this is too much of a, of a surprise, but I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts.
2: Uh, well, I'm surprised Injustice did that well. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be number one, but, you know, kudos to them for that. Um, what I am very surprised about is Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon, like, uh, that, that's still on the MPD, like, that's really surprising, because I, I don't hear anyone talk about that game, and you know, I don't see a lot of people stream it or anything like that, so, you know, at this point, I'm wondering, like, is that game that fire? Like, sh- yeah, am I missing out on something here? Like, should I be, like, getting this game or something? Because it seems to be selling pretty well. Um... And glad to see Overwatch on there, of course. It was the, uh, the, the, one year anniversary. So that may have had a lot to do with it. Um, possibly, but yeah, um, solid list. Um, the, what this also tells me as well is that Nintendo, they, they might be okay. Like, cause I, I think whenever they have a big game that comes out for the Switch, it's going to sell well, like guaranteed at this point because you still have *Legends of Zelda Breath of the Wild on there and then you have Mario Kart 8 so I think you know Nintendo are going to be good sales wise I think um, and we know Mario Odyssey when that comes out that could very well win the MPB for that month like hands down so um, Nintendo they're in they're in an okay position right now
1: I I just want to make a quick comment on what you said about Mario Odyssey. That is going to be very interesting. I mean, now, I do expect Mario Odyssey to win that NPD. But the interesting thing about that is the day that that comes out is the exact same day that Assassin's Creed Origins and Wolfenstein 2 come out. So that's going to be very interesting. I feel like Assassin's Creed will definitely make the list also. But I, I feel I think Odyssey, without a doubt, will be number one because it's a Mario game. You know the Mario games don't really come out all too often. Um, obviously, you know Mario Kart 8, that is a port to the Wii to the uh, Switch, um, and then the, of course the Mario Rabbit's game comes out in August. So obviously, you know it's a bit of a rare circumstance to see that many Mario games at 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 once. But it makes sense because the console just launched, so you know they need titles that people actually want the system for. That's fine. But uh, that is going to be very interesting because I have no idea how that's going to turn out. But um, we'll see. Um, Dana, did you have any thoughts on what actually charted on the list?
3: Yeah, I'm really surprised about seeing Ghost Recon. I don't really know many people who play that. NBA uh, 17, I think it's only there because we just came off the playoffs, I believe. So people want to relive that moment, but I do not see it staying there for long. NBA, what was it, the NLB? Uh, I mean, it's a good, it's okay. I'm not as shocked about that one. I expected to see second seven never got on there. I thought I would see that. This game and I know people are still playing
1: it oh well you well again this this is the May MPDs you know Tekken didn't come out till like June 2nd so that, that might be on the MPDs for this month oh yeah no. yeah I, I think that'll definitely be on the there for... I'll be
3: what do the you say NBA 17 oh you think so <laughs> I think so I think so yeah
1: Hey, it's it's possible, you know. I, I mean, I don't know how people were influenced by the finals, whether or not they jump back into the game. Um, we'll see. But uh, I, I, I do want to add that I am surprised again that Ghost Recon is on the list, but but not really too heavily because I know a lot of people have been playing the game. I don't really understand why they're playing it. Uh, I guess some people do find it fun. I have the game.
3: Fun. Oh, it is fun. Yeah. No, it is. All of their games so far, they're they're fun, but not you, to make you know this list. Not that fun.
0: <laughs> oh
1: well, you know, there are some people that are checking it out, so I'm I'm totally cool with that. Um, I guess uh, you know, but, but again, you know, I'm, I wasn't surprised that Injustice Two is number one. I mean, that was the biggest game for May that came out, so. That's that's totally fine, and it's a fantastic game. I'm glad that it did chart that high. I know when I went to GDC and I actually got a chance to play the game, all the devs I was talking to, they were very exhausted from working on this game, and they had high hopes that it would do well. So I'm glad it did very well. Um, also, they deserve that.
3: You know, Resident, Resident Evil seemed to just fall off.
1: Oh, Resident Evil 7?
3: <laughs> yeah. And that's well, the for me is that... And I was scared. I was. I was good, and I have like heart failure, and I was like, "Yay!" I was impressed, and I didn't die, and I thought it would last a little bit longer. But I guess maybe, maybe the gimmick aspect of it is just not sticking that long term with people.
1: Well, yeah, it, maybe that. um I mean, I don't know if it, 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 it is a single player game, also, uh, and I don't really know if that. You know, I, I assume that a multiplayer game that. Nine times out of 10 will we'll have a lot a better staying power. Uh, you know,
3: still you love more to the single player.
1: Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, I am glad that Prey was on the list because I, you know, a lot of people don't like Prey. Uh, I, Prey is difficult. You know, initially when you start out the game, it's very difficult, but if you actually take time to play it, it, it does get better. So I am glad that that got some love. That is a single-player game. But, uh, yeah, all, all of the, those major games that uh, – on this list. A lot of them, multiplayer Overwatch, you know, which I'm pretty sure Gary was very happy that that was on the list, so, you know, that, that's good. But, um, we'll see what happens as far as the other games, because there are some exceptions to that rule, like, like Mario, like, uh, Gary already said, Mario Odyssey, that's definitely going to chart, and I would expect that to be number one, but the question is going to be whether or not Nintendo has more switches available at that point, so that they can also win the hardware sales for that month also. I mean
3: that's the only way the only way they would ever win because i can't find any and people i know are looking for some so if you can't have the console there's no way you didn't even have the game
1: <laughs> hey yeah hey that's true unless somebody in order
3: for, anyone, for them to make an impact in anything stop being so greedy release the consoles hey, yeah. let me stop being on a wait list for months or whatever it is i know people who every single day they go to like GameStop and you can hardly find a GameStop in new york city where i live so this is <laughs> getting ridiculous release the console. That should be like
1: the new slogan. Well, they did say July and August, they're they're supposed to increase uh, production, so we'll see about that. We'll see. (laughs) But no, uh, any final thoughts? We'll wait. For those wondering, Mr. Lugo had to step out for a minute. He may be back in time for the final topic. He might not. He had to take care of a quick emergency, but everything is fine. He just had to, to, to take care of something. So any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to our main topic for today?
2: No, I'm good.
1: Okay. So now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of today's discussion. Uh, I believe we've already mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, we did see the Microsoft conference at E3 and uh, this I mean, I have to say I was pretty disappointed with that conference. I mean, Microsoft showed a ton of games, uh, you know, to to be exact, I believe they said 42 exclusives, 22 of which are actual uh, console exclusives or something like that. Um, But all I saw was a lot of third-party games that will also be available on PlayStation 4. Uh, So I wasn't really too impressed with the conference. I thought it was okay, but obviously um, not really... They still need to show me more, you know. For someone who was thinking about buying a, a Xbox One X for the very first time, I think they need to do a better job of convincing them why you need this system. And I don't think that that conference uh, really did justice in that particular argument. But uh, main main discussion we wanted to get into is that uh, I believe Phil Spencer made a statement recently. Uh, Gary, if you would like to elaborate more on what exactly he said so that for those that understand and and whether or not uh, we disagree with what he said so the floor is yours
2: yeah so uh, this quote actually came during E3 and I remember like reading it and laughing and you know I tweeted it out and everything Um, but yeah so basically uh, Phil Spencer you know he made the statement that um, he doesn't think that the PS4 Pro is a competitor to the xbox one x but it is a competitor to the xbox one s so that that's a very interesting statement and there's there's a well there's a couple ways to interpret it um now when you hear that for the first time you're automatically thinking wait how is that even possible because like you know obviously the ps4 pro and the xbox one x are in competition like we know that for a fact because they're both trying to push the 4k agenda um obviously the xbox one x seems like it's going to do a way better job than the ps4 pro from a technical standpoint you know it's um it has better parts better specs and everything and that's why you know that price came about um so we know that you know the xbox one x is going to be the premium you know 4k console but that doesn't mean that they're not in competition with ps4 pro because you know the ps4 pro is designed to you know it might not be fully native 4k all the time but it you know it has the capabilities to upscale to 4k And, you know, that is the whole agenda that both companies are pushing. So of course they are in competition. And obviously Sony, they have a lot of, um, they have a lot of marketing exclusive deals with third party companies. So of course you're in in competition with them, but you know, perhaps there's another way to look at it if you want to play devil's advocate. And that is that, you know, he feels that um, the X and the S are in competition with each other because you know that they're, they're in the same ecosystem so if you look at it like the x is the console they want you to buy but the s is the most accessible platform to people who want to get into the xbox ecosystem so a lot of people might just go for the s because it's cheaper and you know they they'll get the same games essentially just without 4k um so yeah i guess if you look at it like that you can kind of understand but at some point you're going to be like okay microsoft you're kidding yourselves here because like you know you you kind of you know sony are kind of dominating right now so like to say that to come out and say that you're in competition with yourself like it's it's a little laughable just because you know sony we know sony is dominating and they're doing a great job right now and you know they put out a lot of great games this year So it's laughable for him to make that statement. I just feel like it wasn't the right time. The timing was very bad to make that statement. Um, Even if you did mean it within, you know, the Xbox ecosystem or whatever. Um, So, yeah, like, I I just feel like... um, And, like, another thing I wanted to highlight as well, I want to give a shout-out to Wesley because, you know, he's brought this up to me on uh, various occasions via Twitter DMs. But it kind of feels like phil spencer because when when phil spencer first got brought in he seemed like the white knight you know he he could do no wrong he was super humble and everything but now it's seeming like his tone is kind of changing a little bit and um it seems like the public's perception of him is also changing and he's starting to come under fire a lot more and um even though you know i thought their press conference it was it was okay you know it was like it was all right um it was satisfying it wasn't you know anything outstanding or anything and it didn't sell me on the x at all but it was an okay conference in terms of the games you know that they showed it's just the fact that you know they're a third party um but yeah because of because of that and you know the games that they chose to highlight and everything i'm starting to feel like phil spencer might He might have an issue with um you know selecting different games for the platform like the games that he wants to focus on and bring to the platform like i think his taste in in the games that he secures isn't you know isn't always that great like his decision making on that um i feel like it could be a lot better because um they like i was expecting a lot of heavy hitters, and also the fact that crackdown was you know slightly disappointing um, i like that they added terry cruz and everything but from everything i've been hearing because i've been watching other media platforms and everything and i've been hearing what they've been saying because you know we we didn't actually get to experience a lot of microsoft stuff at e3 but other platforms did and you know i heard i've heard people talk about crackdown and it seems really underwhelming it seems like you know it's pretty much just the same things the first two games um, and, you know, the graphics aren't even that spectacular themselves. Like, because it's all cell shaded of course. And then there's, you know, limited disruption in single player. So I'm hearing, you know, some underwhelming things about that game. And I, you know, I thought that that was going to be their feature game. Like, I thought that game was going to sell for X. Like, you need to get it for this game. Like, you know, but they didn't even do that. And, you know, a lot of the games that they chose to highlight are going to be on other platforms anyway, you know. So, yeah, I think it's laughable for Phil Spencer to be saying um, these, you know, these types of things because they're not in a good position right now, in my personal opinion. I want them to do better. You know, I want um, the X to sell. But like, I just feel like they they, they haven't worked hard enough to give us a reason to want to rush out and get it. Uh, but yeah, what's your thoughts on uh, that statement and Phil Spencer?
1: So uh, one thing I will say before I, I let Dana go is that, um, well, I definitely disagree with the statement. Um, I know that he mentioned a lot of things about 4K and throwing out the fact that the pro doesn't really have real 4K. But the whole thing about it is that as we're starting to learn more about the Xbox One X, um. There there are a lot of companies that still don't even know if they're going to have 4K support for the Xbox One X. You know, it's coming out in November. So most of these people, such as the Shadow of War game, they have a deal with Microsoft. So that that obviously will have 4K to some extent because they had it at the conference and they, they made it clear about that. But there are a lot of other titles coming out later this year where you don't really know and the developers are still trying to figure out the technology to figure out whether or not it has 4k um so i think um him making that statement again it's just a, a lot of stuff is off of microsoft uh we can talk about the fact that the xbox one s is 100 dollars more and i guess that i mean the 500 dollars is not really i don't really find that to be a big deal because we knew it was going to be expensive and when we heard about the cooling element that they have to the system it, it made sense for it to be more uh, but again to me it, it's about the games It has to be about the games. And to me, I haven't really seen anything in that conference that would let me know, well, I definitely need to get an Xbox One X. You know, Cuphead is coming out in September. I'm glad that there's finally a release date for that. But I can play that on the regular Xbox One or the Xbox One S instead of the X. I don't really see a need to get the X for that. Um, Crackdown, as you mentioned, Gary, I was disappointed with Crackdown. And I'll be honest to say right now, the Aegis of Mayhem looks twenty times better than Crackdown because I actually saw gameplay footage yesterday from the actual Xbox live stream that they had when they had the their, their couple of days of coverage after their conference. And all of the footage I saw of Crackdown three, it, it just doesn't it doesn't really look appealing. It looks pretty bad. It also I saw frame rates dropping because certain stuff was jittery when the characters move and I'm like, I don't know why you're showing this if it's in that that current state. But I'm just not sold on the lineup right now. They show plenty of games, plenty of third-party games that are also coming to PlayStation 4 and PC such as Anthem and the other big one, Metro Exodus, which was a fantastic opener, by the way. But at the end of the day, I don't really think Microsoft has really done enough to really convince anybody that they have, that they know what they're doing with 4K yet. Now, we'll obviously see with some of the titles they have coming out. But again, as I said before, most developers don't even yet know whether or not they're going to have that functionality in their actual games because they're worried about trying to finish the game right now. So we'll see how this stuff turns out. But uh, I think the statement is off. Um, and of course, we also have to mention that the fact that they, it was confirmed again, Destiny 2 on Xbox One is still 30 frames per second. Now, I don't really care about the frame-per-second thing, but for you to say that the competitor is not really a competitor because we are at a higher level, we're at a more elite level than them, yet the game is still running at 30 frames per second. Uh, Activision doesn't yet know if it's going to have 4K support on the Xbox One also. So, I mean, it's it, there's a lot of things up in the air about that. I just think it's a bad statement to say. Obviously, you want to try and convince people system is great. It is the most powerful. I do give Microsoft props on the size of the system, because it, it looks impressive when you see it in person. It's very small, and yeah, it is powerful, no doubt. More powerful than the Xbox One, but still not as powerful as a PC, in my opinion. And again, if you do want to play a game at the highest level specs, uh, you, you should just get it on PC versus the console. But Just a couple of my opinions, but I don't agree with the statement he made. Uh, I just think it was said just to say, you know, so that they can make it appear like, you know, yes, we have everything under control. but, But to me, to my knowledge, even with the PlayStation 4 Pro, some studios have not done a good job supporting the system yet. And I think this is an issue that Microsoft, they definitely have a potential to do better than Sony with that. But I don't really trust them to do that because the developers have to be on board to actually want to do 4K. Um so we'll see how it all Turns out but uh Dana do you have any thoughts On this particular statement by Phil Spencer Looks like uh Microsoft Is taking control of uh Dana's microphones She can't say anything bad about them um,
2: <laughs> Are you running yeah. Windows 10
1: Uh oh hey. <laughs> I don't know if you want to answer That question I don't know if you want to answer that question Um well, while she sorts that out, though, uh, Gary, did you have anything else you wanted to say on this topic, or you uh, pretty much said all that you wanted uh, to say?
2: Yeah, like because um, you mentioned um, crackdown, you know, the um, the frame rates dropping and stuff, and I, I also heard that it's thirty frames per second as well, like the game, like and that's disappointing because, like, you know, I remember when they first showed that game and they were talking about power of the cloud and all this, like they were really talking it up. And, you know, just to see, just to hear everything we're hearing now about Crackdown is really disappointing, especially when they're trying to push a new console. Like, it makes no type of sense at all. And, you know, the the big reveal at their conference is Anthem, a game that's going to be on other platforms. Like, you know, so I, I feel like they need to do a better job. Okay, you've got the hardware. We know that, you know, you, you've got the better hardware, but you need a strong lineup of games you know if you want to be in a good position to you know um stand up to sony and you know saying that they're not competition is not going to help you because like when he makes that statement he's kind of trying to take the the uh the nintendo stance a little bit where we know that nintendo often does their own thing like they literally are like you know not competing they're just doing them because they have that loyal fan base who are going to buy Nintendo games no matter what, no matter what platform they put out, you know, they're going to buy those games because they love them, they grew up with them, you know, they have memories with them. But if you go to Xbox, they've, uh, you know, they what Xbox does is they put out IPs and then when they don't do well, they scrap them and move on. Like, so they've done a lot of that over the past few years and that's hurting them in the long term, I think. Cause now it seems like they might have let um, Alan Wake get away from them. And you know, there are various other games that could really help them. Oh, here comes Dana. How you doing Dana?
3: All
1: right, well, while she fixes that, let me just respond to what you said, Gary about, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing about it is this, I think the Microsoft's presentation said said it all crackdown when the fact that it was so short and and that was it it, i mean you you would think that that there was going to be a gameplay demonstration for that game because a lot of people had high expectations for it but when they just showed that little video with terry Crews and the the small little gameplay i think that said okay yeah that that to me said prepare to be disappointed more than anything else um obviously i knew they were going to show forza uh, Forza 7 as the showcase title because that is 4K 60 frames per second, but I mean it's a racing game, so I don't really think it's too much of a surprise. But I, I just think um, Microsoft, you know, I, just to get just to be to play devil's advocate a little bit, I know that they did say that that they have a couple of deals they signed, but those games are two to three years away from release, so they didn't want to show them too early, and they're using that to talk about what happened with Scalebound. They showed that too early. It wasn't ready and they had to get rid of it. But I, I feel like you still need more titles. You still have to show something because you have to give people the impression that, yes, we heard your cries and we're working on all this other stuff. And, and when you think about all the stuff that was canceled this year, whether it was the Scalebound game, whether it was the Fable game that also got canceled some time ago, uh, it, it really you really have to question, well, what are they doing? What are they doing with these new these new first-party titles? I know it's going to take a while to create a good first-party title, obviously, but um, you have to give people some assurances that we, there's other stuff coming, and we'll definitely just invest in us now, and we'll, we'll help you, but I guess guess, hey, listen, you know, if it wasn't ready, it wasn't ready, and they just decided, well, we're not going to show it at all, so we'll see, ultimately, how that pays off in the end, but, um, I definitely would not talk about anything with competition to say that this is a better system than the Pro. Obviously, specs-wise, you can say, yes, the specs are a lot more impressive. But that won't matter if you don't have the games to actually show off the performance difference and to show why this is a better experience. So we have to see what those games are. And maybe we will get a chance to see some of those titles. Um, I personally, I, I don't think that Anthem, I think Anthem might get delayed. Because the fact that it wasn't at EA at all, and they just said 2018, they didn't say when in 2018, I don't know if they said early or late or whenever, but the fact that it wasn't there in any way playable, there wasn't no behind closed doors, that makes me think that game might get delayed. So, I mean, we'll see, but Microsoft has a lot, they have a lot of games, they have a lot of work to do, I'd say.
2: Yeah, a lot, and honestly like they should have delayed the console because it's it's a mistake to release it this year if you don't have a strong exclusive lineup for it i think like um that that can really showcase the power like Forza, cool it's great that they're doing you know native 4k and everything but it's a driving game we expect driving games to look great they always look great no matter what system what tv setup you have you know driving games look great but they, they need something else. they need more than that to really show the power of the X and to show people why they need it. So if they don't have that this year, they should have just delayed it and said 2018 to be honest with you, right because they need they need something more to sell us, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. but uh, yeah. With that said, there still are a lot of great games coming out this year, whether it's uh, the Switch, the Xbox One, or the PlayStation 4. So people will, at the very least, have a lot of games to play. Uh, you know, with Xbox One X, we'll see how that does, but I don't know. I'm not really sold on it quite yet, but we'll see. So, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up today's show?
2: Uh, not just, you know, the playstation 4 pro definitely is their competition and clearly they've they've taken this year hands down um before you know before this year sony were really playing it safe and they were really you know um egotistical in their approach they really they had like a lot of they had a good lineup but none of the games were really coming out or they were really far from coming out but now they've they've given us they've given us a lot of games this year, and I feel like I've been treated as a PlayStation owner this year. So I have to give you know play, PlayStation and Sony a lot of props. And um, Phil Spencer, you know, you need to figure a few things out in your approach. I think moving forward. But yeah, that's all I have got to say on that topic.
1: Yeah, sounds awesome. And uh, yeah, I'll just say yeah, Microsoft. I mean, still, E3 was good as a whole. Every show was good. Uh, Obviously, you know, we do have a couple of companies we're hoping will do a lot better. So Microsoft, I trust that, you know, they do have some games coming. Um, Obviously, you know, some of the bigger titles you want, that ain't coming until later. But I I do at least give them credit. They have a couple of things, I guess, coming this fall. You know, Forza 7, I I will play it. I look forward to checking it out. Uh, Crackdown, I'm not really sold on Crackdown yet. Uh, Maybe that'll change, but... For the time being, you know, they did make me want the console, but again, because of the games, I'm not really yet compelled to actually really go through with buying it. But we'll see if that changes. Uh, But uh, we'll see. So, um, I believe that that concludes our show for today. I know Dana has some technical difficulties, so she won't be back, unfortunately. But she will be back on future shows, of course. So we do thank her for joining us. Um, Well, let me give my shout-outs first, and then you can go. I'd like to give a shout-out to everybody that checked out uh, today's show. Uh, We do apologize for some of the technical difficulties that you may have seen on here. That stuff does happen, um, especially even more so when it's live. But hopefully you enjoyed the show. Thanks to all the Patreon supporters for the continued support. We appreciate all that. Um, We do have quite a bit of more content coming uh, a lot of previews from E3 still to come, starting tomorrow. Actually, by the time this episode is up on the site, you'll probably start seeing a lot of stuff just come out. So definitely check it out. I mean, as I said, we would talk about every game that we played on the show, but it, then that this would be like a five, six-hour show, and we still have other stuff we got to do. So look for a lot of content this week for, as far as previews goes. Um, definitely look forward to that. And for those that may be wondering... Uh, if you haven't checked the site recently, uh, we are doing a giveaway for July. Um, and for what I see right now, um, there's about four games that we are allowing you guys to vote on. Uh, those four games, of course, are Splatoon 2, uh, Hellblade, uh, Lawbreakers, and Final Fantasy uh, The Zodiac Age. Based on the votes that I see right now, it looks like Hellblade is going to win. Um, so if you haven't voted yet definitely do so we'll definitely leave a link um, when this post goes live tomorrow on the site but um, definitely vote and we will actually have the contest go live towards the end of next week so once again thank you all for your continued support and Gary the floor is yours for shout outs
2: yep of course a big thanks to all of our Patreon supporters That's M Collins, Sean Goretti, Stephen Firon, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lelewynn Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, and James Davis. We thank you all for your support. And, you know, as a way to give back, of course, you know, you guys, you get more tickets and entries into our giveaway, our upcoming giveaway. So, you know, Patreon supporters have a higher chance of winning. Um, So thank you for all of your support. And thanks to everyone who joined us in the chat today as well, uh, Miguel and um, Makai Gamer. Shouts to you guys. Um, There was a lot more too, but, you know, I I don't feel like scrolling through all the names right now um, because there was a lot said. But shouts to you guys and thanks for joining us and discussing, you know, all these topics with us today. And I also wanted to shout out um, the Gaming Illuminati because, you know, we met them at E3 and, you know, we were actually featured in one of their videos this week, too. Um, if you go check out their channel, you'll probably see a video with, you know, Richard is actually the thumbnail on there. Um, and, you know, we're basically just talking about our experience at E3 with the public and everything. So big shouts to those guys. Um, I was actually a big fan of them before, you know, we even met them and started talking to them and stuff. So. Uh, Definitely big shouts to them And shouts to the Throwdown crew as well Be sure to check out Throwdown your questions Later on today And um, also the Powercast Is returning because Power the TV show is returning Tonight so look out for A new episode of Power Uh, Well if you're listening to this on the Site it should already be up because it will Be Monday so yeah Look out for that And that's pretty much it for me
1: Yes, and again, just because Gary already said it, I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Gaming Illuminati guys as well. We appreciate them putting us in the video, uh, definitely giving our feedback, and uh, our former writer, Mr. David Jagno, is also in there, so definitely check out the video. If you haven't done so already, you can get some of the thoughts on what the general media thought about E3. But uh, that, that concludes our show for this week. I hope you all have a great week.